It's here, everybody, the season opener for the BYU football program. They take on the USF Bulls. The guy you see on the right there is Will Turner. He covers the Bulls on a day-to-day basis for 24-7 sports. He's been on the podcast before. Excited to catch up with him. We'll go back and forth on this and get you ready for this matchup between the Bulls and the Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making us a part of your day, your first listen of the day, in fact. Uh, very excited to welcome in Will Turner here, but a quick reminder that we are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto around these parts is your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Will, thank you for coming back to the show, by the way, my friend. How are you? It's it's game week, man. I appreciate you for for having me back on. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's game week. It feels good that it's finally here. I'm tired of writing about hypotheticals. <laughs> And uh, we're ready to go down here in the Sunshine State. Let's actually get some football underway, right? That, that's what we're all looking at right now. That's that that yep. That that's the fun part about this. And I wanted to have you on, obviously, because you're covering the Bulls on a day to day basis for twenty four seven sports. Absolutely killing it. I think you do a fantastic job. Uh, so I appreciate that. I, I want to start here. Uh, what is the I guess overall feeling for USF right now? Literally just days, day, hours, whatever it might be. Whatever people watch this. It's coming up. It is here. What is the feeling around the Bulls program right now heading into the season opener? Yeah, so I think there's obviously a lot of optimism and, you know, there's optimism around the entire country. And that's just kind of how, you know, things are at the beginning of the season. But there's a, a, a good sense of hope around the USF program. Obviously, this is a, a program that has, um, you know, just five short years ago was was winning double digit games and you know, in the, in the hunt for, for American athletic conference titles. And they've been on a slide ever since, uh, you know, the midway point of the Charlie strong era. And so they enter this year, the third year of USF head coach, Jeff Scott's tenure, one of the most important years of, of the program's 26 year history, obviously, as we, um, you know, have talked about previously about conference realignment where USF stands in regards to that, just, um, them missing out on the big 12. Um, so they're going to be, you know, really trying to get their house in order with on, with the on-field product to be able to, to, to catapult themselves and put themselves back into uh, conference relevancy and potentially even some national relevancy as well um, in the grand scheme of things. So there's a good amount of hope. They, they've completely revamped uh, both sides of the ball. You'll see a noticeable difference defensively in terms of scheme. Um, offense will be pretty similar, but because of the two new coordinators and offensive coordinator Travis Trickett and defensive coordinator Bob Shoup, uh, you'll see plenty of, of of difference on both sides of the football, and it should be a much improved uh, USF team from what fans saw specifically in the first half of last year's game at Lavelle Edwards. Okay, uh, and they, you mentioned the two coordinators. Uh 
Trickett and obviously uh, Shoop coming in here. Uh, what was the, uh, I guess, what was the response from Bulls fans when they first were hired? And I, I think as they get closer to the season, they probably started to see the stories kind of filter out about how these uh, guys are going to operate their defense and the offense, respectively. Uh, what do you, what do you think right now that fans think about this? Because it was it was an overhaul. There's no doubt about it. It was an overhaul in the offseason. Without a doubt, with with Bob Shoup, um, you know, he was kind of a uh, he was a under the radar type of uh, uh, of hire. There were there were several candidates that um, would have been um, alumni coming back to the program that USF fans were really leaning for um, in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, from all indications, those candidates were, were interviewed, um, as well as linebackers coach Ernie Sims was also in, in, in the discussion from what I was told, um, from, from there, you know, Bob Shoup, like I said, really under the radar, uh, selection of a defensive coordinator, had lots of interest around, um, him and what he wanted to do. He was serving under Manny Diaz, um, at Miami as a defensive analyst before that he was a safeties coach at Michigan, um, with Jimmy, with, uh, Jim Harbaugh. So he's been around the block. He's been with James, James Franklin at Penn state, um, with Butch Jones at Tennessee, uh, was at Mississippi state, I believe in between those two stops. So he's been around, he's, he's, he, he's been a very successful defensive coordinator pretty much everywhere he goes. Um, and like I said, he had SMU, um, interested in, in him from, from what sources told me, uh, Clemson was poking around depending upon what would happen with Brent Venables. Um, so there were, there were some high level teams that were, you know, potentially interested in his services, but, uh, USF brought him in. He's going to blitz a lot more than, than you saw last year under Glenn Spencer. Um, and really just is going to put guys in the right position to make plays. Uh, and, and that seems to be the, um, indication on both sides of the football, Travis Trickett, was the former inside receivers and tight ends coach at West Virginia for the past three seasons, uh, where his alma, uh, his alma mater, um, he comes back to be an offensive coordinator for the first time in three seasons. He was the offensive coordinator, I believe at Florida Atlantic and, uh, Georgia state prior to that. So he's been a coordinator before. Um, like I said, first time in three, four seasons that he's calling plays again. Um, and, and he takes over, I think USF fans, uh, were a little bit more, um, skeptical about Travis Trickett's offensive prowess. Um, but what I can say he does really well is he, he, he transforms quarterbacks and he he's a great quarterback coach from, from everything that I've heard around, you know, some of the guys that he's trained, um, in the past at Georgia state and, and, and FAU, um, you know, and, and you saw, um, kind of some some improvement in the spring game with some of the guys that USF had and could Travis Marsh and Timmy McLean, who McLean is now transferred to UCF. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've seen seen some improvement with those guys. So he's a great quarterback teacher. Um, we'll see how the offense goes. He hasn't really, you know, had any top 20 offenses in his career, uh, but he certainly had some serviceable offenses. And, 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 and this is without a doubt going to be the most talented um, offensive, you know, weaponry that he's had um in his tenures as as an offensive coordinator so it'll be interesting to see what he does with the with a full deck of cards and 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 what he can produce with it uh, and Jeff Scott, I would assume, is still going to be involved with this offense. That's his background, right? He's going to he's going to have his fingerprints on. I would imagine too. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much it is anymore. Within the first couple of years, you could see that um, you know he 
he definitely had like he, he he had his moments where you know if it was a big two point conversion like he knew what play they were going to run okay. like he was going he was going to call the play. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see you know now in year three if if that trust is, is kind of completely gone back to the to the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, towards the end of the Charlie Weiss Jr. tenure, um, it, it, as far as I knew, knew it was it was ninety five percent Weiss. So um, the thing about Jeff Scott is is Jeff Scott never called plays at Clemson. Uh, from from what I understand, I believe it was all Tony Elliott, who's now the head coach of Virginia. Yeah. Um, Scott was was you know a receivers coach who who had been promoted to that co offensive coordinator position and. And, and, and if I remember correctly, he just he, he didn't really he didn't he just didn't call plays, which, you know, not every coach is a play caller. And Jeff Scott's a little bit more of that CEO style of a head coach um, and makes the big decisions when he needs to make the big decisions. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he'll have some some input on the offense without a doubt. But I, it's not going to be a huge noticeable, um, you know, from his previous stops. Let's talk about Gary Bohannon. Uh, BYU fans are very familiar with him. He leads, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think I read it was, was it 30 transfers into this program in the offseason? Was it that, was that the number? Do you, do you have it off the top of your head? So there's 34 year college transfers okay. on the roster in total. Okay. So that includes guys that have transferred in from previous years. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, that doesn't include your JUCO transfers. Um, but yeah, thirty over the, the the entirety of this roster. So sure. they brought in uh, anywhere. I'm trying to remember the final number now. I believe it was like thirteen or fourteen because there were a couple of guys that 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 there was one that didn't make it to campus. There was yeah. one that 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 his academics are in flux at the moment, um, from what Jeff Scott has said. So uh, it's been a healthy number. It's still in double figures. I want to say it's probably closer to thirteen to fifteen now. Um, they had 21 newcomers enter in January as opposed to in the summer. So those guys have had eight months of, you know, being a part of the program, being a part of the strength, strength and conditioning um, workouts over this over the, the the winter months and the spring and the summer. So um, they've got you know playbook experience. Obviously now having the spring in and having your two coordinators there for now eight months as well. So that's really going to help out as well as, is a lot of those transfers, you know, they're, they're, they're eight months into the program, you know, it's the, this, yes, this is their first game experience with USF, but they're not green to the program. They're not coming in, you know, over the summer, like traditional, um, traditional guys, except for Gary Bohannon <laughs> who came in and committed on mother's day yeah. and was a late add to the team because, USF was not looking to add a transfer quarterback. They were looking um, with Timmy McLean, and they thought he was going to be the guy. But when Gary Bohannon's name popped in the transfer portal, that was a name that you know won ten games at Baylor, uh, won a Sugar Bowl with the Bears, helped the Bears to a, a Big Twelve championship last year. That was a guy that you just don't turn down if he has interest in your program. So Gary's pretty, still pretty green to the program. Um, got in over the summer and, and joined the team for the summer workouts and. And, and, and the start of fall camp. But from every indication, I mean, he has been just a, a, a fiend in, in playbook study and um, learning how this offense works, um, getting his timing with the receivers, all the good things that you want to hear a quarterback is doing when they get into the program. Um, Gary Bohannon has, has done just about that. I believe there was a, a, a quote that Jeff Scott said, it was over Memorial Day weekend or something like that. There was one car in the parking lot um, watching film that was Gary Bohannon. Okay. Um, so, you know, just that kind of guy that's meticulous in his, in, in his game study and, and, and what he wants to do. And 
Um, so yeah, he, he's probably, like I said, the newest transfer for sure, but he's also not green to the program at this point. Absolutely. I, I want to talk about some more individual players. We'll get to those momentarily. I do need to get a word in real quick from our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season, my friends. Uh, right now, the line as of recording of this podcast, BYU minus 12, according to our friends at Bet Online. If you are interested in that, find all the latest football, league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's opening week's games right now at Bet Online. It is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live live betting, esports, and scores. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your other favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Uh, continuing on here with Will Turner from 24-7 Sports covering the USF Bulls. And uh, Will, uh, we talked about Gary Bohannon, and he's going to lead this offense for USF. And I've, I've got to admit, in the second half of that game last year at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, Timmy McLean and the USF offense felt like they came alive to a degree. And uh, so I want to ask you this. They, they made some moves to upgrade certain positions in the offseason. Some of them were receiver, quarterback, obviously, with Gary Bohannon taking over. How much better is this offense overall going into this season, in your opinion, versus what BYU fans would have seen a year ago at LES? I think it's one of the most well-stocked offenses in the country, in all honesty. I mean, USF returns... Um, you know, the fifth most production per S&P Plus, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly. BYU, of course, is right up there as Correct. well yeah. within the top five. Um, USF's one of the things that I said very early when USF was searching for an offensive coordinator was this offensive coordinator job was going to be very desirable for anybody that was going to want a stocked running back room, wide receiver room, offensive line room, uh, pick your poison. It's, you know, PYP as, as we joke, sometimes it's, it, you know, it was, it, it was so well stocked around, around the offensive side of the football. You had a quarterback who was a true freshman and started nine games as a true freshman, um, and played in 11 out of your 12. So, you know, you had a kid, you had a kid with experience and, and, and so that, you know, looked beneficial for USF. Um, You've got the most offense. Uh, you've got the most experienced offensive line in the country at USF. Uh, they've had 154 combined starts between the five guys up front. You've got four super seniors in left tackle Donovan Jennings, uh, left guard Meech Harris, center Brad Cecil, and right tackle Demontre Jacobs. Uh, the three guys on the left are USF guys. They've been in the program for five, six years now. Um, Demontre Jacobs enters his third year with the program. Before that, he was at Grambling and started a year or two. Um, and then at right guard, you've got a guy that started the final nine games of the 2021 season in Dustin Hall. So you've got plenty of returning starts on your offensive line and a very experienced, experienced group um, up front. The running back room is, is, is no different. Jaron Mangum rushed for 15 touchdowns. BYU fans saw him come alive in the second half. Yeah of that game in Provo. Um, and then Xavier Weaver had a pretty nice game, if I remember correctly, uh, last year, the reverse fixture. Um, and he had the best receiving season by USF wideout 
um, in four years. So, and, and by a wide margin too, um, with over 700 yards receiving. Um, so, you know, you add in that with an experienced quarterback in Gary Bohannon and what he's done in a, in a quarterback that, um, you know, frankly, uh, has big game experience of, of beating, uh, a BYU or a Texas or an Oklahoma or, um, you know, an Iowa state or West Virginia, a guy that's done it in a, in a power five conference. And you bring that experience to USF. I mean, it's a recipe for success um, on the offensive side of the football. So I, 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 I can't say it enough that that room is just, you know, that side is just, um, you know, it, it, the second half was a good indication of what USF can do when they play um, to their strengths uh, with, with the guys that, you know, getting the ball in the hands of the guys that, that can make plays like an Xavier Weaver, like a Jaron Mangum, um, you know, and, and some of these transfers that are coming in as well. Well, and I, I agree with you on, on that. And that's going to be an interesting part. You mentioned that both of these offenses, a ton of returning production. And uh, it, it's a similar thing for BYU's defense. The, BYU's defense like, is 97% of their returning production is coming back for the Cougars on defense. And uh, let's be honest, in the second half, uh, it felt like Timmy McClain, they just could not corral that dude. And it was just, it was a crazy, crazy kind of tale of two halves, it felt like in many ways, in that matchup. So uh, where does USF's defense kind of stand as a whole right now? I know that they have probably a few more transfers that are expected to start on the defensive side of the football than the offense, but where do things stand for the Bulls defensively? It's completely rebuilt. I mean, the one thing that they had to do over the offseason was, um, you know, two, two main things, really, and that was build quality depth in your defensive line room okay. and build quality depth in your secondary. And, you know, USF had, you know, God, we all love our walk-ons. We all love our walk-on <laughs> stories. Yeah. But goodness gracious, USF had so many walk-ons playing significant game stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, significant snaps. I mean, and and now some of those guys like Josh Green and Tamarcus Simpson have, have have earned scholarships, and rightfully so. So, but you know, there are guys even further down the depth chart that were that were getting some time um, last year because USF was just so thin on the back end. Um, one of the things that I mentioned too was about, you know, Bob Shoup was he, he was going to put, he wants to put guys in the right position to make plays. And unfortunately for, for USF and it, uh, unfortunately for, for um, this player, uh, Vince, his nickname is Smoke, Vince Smoke Davis, uh, who, who, who's a, a graduate student, um, unfortunately had to retire from football with, a, with a, uh, I believe, some sort of severe head and neck injury or, or something of that. Um, that caused him to step away from, from the game. And, um, you know, so he played that, that star role really, really yeah. well, the, the hybrid outside linebacker safety position for those that, you know, aren't familiar with the lingo. Um, he played that really, really well in USF's defense. And, and it looked like the position was, was made for him. Um, Matt Hill, who started at strong safety, a former Auburn transfer, um, started nearly every game for USF at strong safety last year moves down to the star position uh, this year for USF. And from all indications, he's been one of the MVPs of, of fall camp in the early practices. And there were times last year where, where Matt Hill really struggled at strong safety. And you could tell it was his first time in a significant amount of time that he had played strong safety. He played a little bit in high school and, and practiced at Auburn, but never really had the the game experience that USF needed, but moves over to this new position and plays amazing in camp. So it's been great to hear about his improvements. 
Um, so, you know, the secondary is one thing. Amaris Brown, a Kansas State transfer, he should slide into that nickel back role or, or uh, uh, he could play a little nickel. He could play some corner. Uh, he was a safety coming out of high school. Um, so, so he could do a little bit of everything. But like I said, sounds like they've slid him down closer to the line of scrimmage, which is going to be important for USF. Um, and then the defensive line room is, is I mean, that room is, is wide open, without a doubt. Um, USF was towards the bottom of the country, if not at the very bottom of the country, in sacking the quarterback. They only had nine, which was um, next to Vanderbilt. Um, BYU, which, let me just interject. BYU fans feel like that's paltry. They didn't have that good of a sack <laughs> a year themselves. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we I, trust me. I've heard the BYU fans lo- <laughs> they love that rush three drop eight defense. Uh-huh. Man, it's great. USF did a lot of that too last year. Um, and only registered nine sacks on the year. BYU had a, had a few more, a handful more. Um, USF was towards the bottom, and their leading tackle, for, uh, their leading uh, TFL guy, and and their leading sack guy were both linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is you know you want to make sure you can get consistent penetration through the offensive line, whether it's BYU, whether it's Baylor, whether it's Alabama, whether it's North Texas. You want to get pressure to the quarterback with your defensive lineman. It creates so many other opportunities for your secondary to, you know, not have to run around all over the field all night long. So USF did a good job, I think, in terms of of finding some quality depth. Um, Tramel Logan is going to be a breakout candidate. He's a a COVID year sophomore um, out of Miami, Florida. He's going to be a guy that I, I think could have a big, big impact um, and then um, Rashawn Yates is a super senior that came back. He should, he's, he's probably the most consistent out of those guys. Um, Jonathan Ross is a uh, Division II All-American uh, from, from Bowie State in, uh, okay. in Maryland, and he comes to USF as a transfer, um, you know, had some, some mind-boggling statistics at Bowie State. Um, and then, um, so he should be counted on. And then we've got some true freshmen in, in, in Eddie Kelly, uh, who was a, a kid that picked USF over significant interest from Florida and Florida State last year. Uh, you've got uh, Michael Williams, a, a uh, Michigan product that uh, was um, highly recruited by Michigan and Michigan State before a, uh, a knee injury derailed. Um, his junior season and his stock kind of fell a little bit. He was a very uh, n- near four-star recruit for USF. So he he, he can get some time as a true freshman. Um, but the real question is going to be getting Jatorian Hansford as well as at the end room. But um, the real question for USF is, gonna get, is getting production and quality depth out of the D-tackle position. Um, two of the transfers that they've been hoping on uh, won't be with the team this year. Um, one's at Florida A&M. The other is still on the roster, but Jeff Scott confirmed it will not be with the team this year um, due to academics, as I said. Um, so they're going to get a lot of production out of Rashad Cheney, a Minnesota transfer. Um, Dewan Cease, who's a walk-on um, that just got a scholarship, he should be um, one that should be in the rotation as well. Um, Rashawn Yates can slide over uh, to D-tackle from the DN spot. So um, they're going to need some guys to step up at the D-tackle spot. They brought in Nick Bags from Temple as a transfer this offseason, so he'll be another one that they need to rely on. And then they brought in a basketball guy, from uh, uh, Byron Matos, who played power forward for USF. For, uh, and, and before that was a was a highly regarded baseball project, uh, a baseball prospect in the Dominican Republic. I mean, this dude can throw 
high nine mid nineties on his fastball dunk on you. And apparently he's going to go and try block field goals this year. So, um, you know, so that's kind of fun. Um, he's probably a year away though, just cause you know, this is his first time playing football and all that, but this is where USF is going to try and get some quality depth out of their defensive line room and, and find some places that, you know, maybe they didn't think production would come from. A three-sport athlete playing his third sport, I guess, technically. That's crazy. Yep. Well, we'll see how it shakes out. All right, Will, I, I want to kind of get your keys to the game and a prediction. We'll get to that here momentarily as we continue on with Locked On Cougars. I want to remind you guys of our ultimate NFL preview, the ultimate pro football preview, excuse me, 2022. It's an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local team experts on the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, come all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for the ultimate pro football preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Will. Uh, people, by the way, uh, where can they find your work? I want to. I, I meant to give you a plug earlier. It's it's Bulls 24 seven is that correct is that the website yep yep bulls 247.com mm-hmm. um and then as you see below me at w turn 24 7 is where you can get all my all my commentary i'll be on the field uh saturday uh okay. w- with a camera in my hand but i usually give a, a fair share of field level uh field level um observations you get a little bit of a different angle on the field than in the box so that's mm-hmm. always fun but no i it, i'll be there i'll be tweeting out observations and you can catch all the the latest surrounding USF um, over at Bulls247.com. Well, you got the camera in your hand, so you're truly an MMJ, a multimedia journalist. There's no doubt about that if you're, if you're doing all that, but that'd be cool. We'll, keep, we'll be sure to let people know where they can find you. All right, so, uh, Will, for USF to spring this upset, as we mentioned, our, our friends over at Online, one of our sponsors here on the network, they have BYU as a 12-point favorite. Uh, so if USF were to spring the upset, what are the keys to a Bulls victory over the Cougars? Yeah, so I think uh, I, I think ultimately the first one, in my opinion, is USF is going to have to start fast. They're going to have to. I mean, you can't get behind twenty-one to nothing um, like they did last year at Provo. I mean, if they don't start down, if they don't spot BYU twenty-one points in the first quarter, that yeah. game could have ended up in a USF upset at Provo. So, um, you know, I, I they've got to start quick. Um, maybe the fact that you have two new coordinators that haven't called plays in a while and could throw some different wrinkles that haven't been on film. Maybe that catches BYU a little bit off guard. Maybe the humidity at four (laughs) o'clock will catch BYU a little bit off guard. Um, I, I saw they they flew down to, to Tampa today. Um, it's a good day to do it because it is it has been pouring for the last hour okay. and uh, and and it's going to get steamed up. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be steamy on the rest of the day today. It'll be steamy all day tomorrow and and Saturday as well. So maybe the humidity catches catches BYU off guard a little bit. Um, obviously, a lot of those guys have have been here for the 2019 game or a decent amount at least. Um, but starting fast is going to be the biggest key. I think we're going to know. I, I, I think the winner is determined within the first 15 to 25 minutes of that ball game um, on, on Saturday. If USF does not start fast there, I don't think they're going to be able to, 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 to match uh, BYU score, score for score if they get behind. 
think another key for USF is going to be stopping BYU on third down. BYU, of course, as, as Cougar fans know, were uh, very good on third down and very good at getting third and manageable. Um, you know, uh, it, the fact that they converted third downs at a 45% clip is a scary statistic for me on paper. USF did have a little bit of an outlier. Uh, the Cougars were only two for seven on third down in last year's game. So USF did a better job. But look at how BYU got their yardage. It was a lot of first yeah. and second down explosive plays, whether that was through the air with Baylor Romney or Tyler Algier on the ground. Um, so USF is going to have to find a way to get BYU out of those third and manageable situations to cut down on those third down conversions. Um, they're going to have to win first down. They're going to have to win second down um, to make Jaron Hall and company have to go a little bit farther on third. So those are my two um, big ones, I think, starting fast for sure. And, and I think getting BYU to, you know, have force a longer third down conversion on a more consistent basis than they did maybe last year. Uh, I like both of those. Those are, I think, very, very valid things in this. All right, Will, so last thing from me, I want your score prediction for the game. So, um, <laughs> so since day one of this matchup, you know, it's – the stars have aligned, and I've said this on Twitter. I've said this on radio hits. I've said this on podcasts um, with two new coordinators, mm-hmm. with two guys that, you know, like I said, haven't coached, haven't called plays in a while that could throw out some wrinkles um, with a quarterback that's beaten BYU, that knows how to beat BYU, um, and Gary Bohannon, um, a four o'clock kickoff in Tampa at Raymond James. I mean, the humidity. Um, BYU does it travel amazing to Florida. Um, they, they just they're, got their first win. I say their history is uh, not great. There's no doubt about right. that. Right. Uh, well, and then even look at the Independence Bowl last yeah. year. I mean, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, I, I've forecasted a USF upset since day one. <laughs> um, 31 to 28 is kind of where I'm sitting at right now. Okay. And nobody can call me a homer homer because I had BYU winning last year in Provo. So, um, and I probably had BYU winning back in 2019 as well. Uh Um, But, like I said, it's, in my mind, it's a back and forth game. I think it's going to be closer than the 12-point spread. I think USF will cover the 12-point spread. Um, in my opinion, I think that I think plus 12 is a is generous for for them. I think they're going to keep it within within that, especially based on the second half of last year's game. Um, but again, like like I said, if BYU rolls, I'm I'm not going to be sitting in the press box, you know, necessarily surprised. I don't, you know, sure. I, I think the Cougars are, are a very, very good team. I think Jaron Hall is one of the best quarterbacks um, in college football, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in college football, and obviously one of the most experienced teams, one of the you know best coaching staffs in college football, in my opinion. Um you know, so so like I said, I'm not going to be shocked if 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 BYU wins um, this one on uh, Saturday afternoon. But um, just because there's so many coincidental things, I, it, it just feels too it just feels too good to be true not to. <laughs> 
kind of predict the USF upset here. Okay, I can dig that. I, I respect that. And I, I do remember you saying you predicted BYU would win the game last year, and they did do it. So I'm with you on that. Well, Will, it was it was fantastic to catch up with you once again. I uh, hope this is not the last time we'll have you on the podcast. I do think that they're scheduled to play another game in this series in 2026. Am I correct on that? Correct, yeah. So, October of 2026. It was supposed to be... Uh, next year uh-huh. uh, that USF returned to Lavelle Edwards yep. Stadium. But uh, with the Big 12 expansion, uh, BYU ended up uh, ended up moving that game. I'm happy it at least got moved as opposed to canceled, I was, which I was you can't say. say for a lot of other games on BYU's schedule. <laughs> Considering how many games BYU has been canceling, uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually it's not a bad deal that it just got moved a little bit. But yeah, we'll be in touch as that game probably gets closer in future seasons. But at the same time, we'll be following your work as well. Thanks again for taking some time. Of course. Appreciate you, Jake. All right. That's Will Turner uh, from uh, Bulls 24-7. Make sure you follow him. You can see his Twitter handle right down here, WTurner247. That's going to do it for us. Enjoy the game, everybody. And, of course, we'll be recapping it as soon as it goes final. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.